Hello, and welcome to Simply Edifies Podcast. We are mothers, daughters, sisters, friends, and wives, but what unites us most is our place in God's family as daughters of Christ. Our goal is to encourage women as we navigate the messiness of life through biblical studies, personal stories, and practical tips that bolster our walk with Jesus daily. Thank you for joining us in our episode today. Welcome to our second command episode. We are continuing our series on the Ten Commandments. Last episode, we discussed the first commandment, which is have no other gods before me. And we talked about how in the New Testament, it's reiterated and it says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. So if you would like to go back to that episode, if you have not listened to it and take a look at that, that'd be awesome. But we are going to just jump right into our second command here, which is very similar, but different at the same time. So we're going to be talking about how this command relates to the believer and some of the reasons why this command was given in the first place. Let's begin with a reading of the main text. Exodus 20 and verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So there we have it, the second command. Yeah. And, you know, we want to think that this is all about other religions and it doesn't really apply to us, but this was a command to God's people. You know, lots of people have trinkets or icons that they pray to. Right. The... I mean, you would say that that's not necessarily what we're doing as believers. Right. We can look at other other religions and see their statues and their actual idols and think, oh, we're not like that. So this doesn't apply to us. But we're not going to talk about other people today. We're going to talk about us. And there is something to mention about the idea of other religions, though, is that some of them would say that they're not using those icons or trinkets, they're not worshiping them. They would say, we are using them to help us focus. We're using them as a tool in our worship. But even that, we know that the the God that they're worshiping is not the God of the Bible because their belief system is not what the Bible puts forth. So even in, in that, in their focusing of their prayers, they're still not worshiping the one true God. So that's really all we're going to talk about as far as other religions and their practice of idols today. So let's focus on the believer. It, it's more subtle, right? For Christians, it's definitely a lot more subtle. We are, I have no statues in my house to other gods. I don't have anything that represents other other religions. However, we know that this has been an issue since the very beginning and even in the new testament it was still an issue um first corinthians ten fourteen says wherefore my dearly beloved flee from idolatry for the worship of idols and then first john 5 21 little children keep yourself from idols coming up again 
Exactly. And this is the first church, right? This is the establishing of the church after Christ was no longer on earth. So you can pretty much guarantee that if it was an issue then when they had Jesus Christ in the flesh and many of them saw him and saw him work these wonderful miracles and knew he was God, if these people struggled, you can pretty much guarantee that we are also going to be struggling. It will look different in today's day and age because society is different, but there's nothing new under the sun and these things are going to just take different shapes in our lives today. So one of the key passages that I believe gives clarity on this issue is Romans chapter one. And it kind of just breaks down how idol worship starts and why. And it kind of goes into that a little bit. So bear with me. I'm going to read this passage. It's a little bit longer. Romans 1 verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's talking about seeing God in creation and nature and understanding that there is a creator and a God. So we go on to the next verse. It says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. So this passage really breaks down what happens on the inside of man to worship and why we would worship creature more than creator, because... If we were to define idolatry, a simple definition of that would be worship of the creature more than creator. And that can look different. You know, it can look like an idol in your house or it can look like you. <laughs> You're a, you are a created being. So the, the simple breakdown of that passage would be God reveals himself through creation, all creation, not just plants and animals and stuff, but people themselves. They come to a knowledge of God choose not to see him and worship him. They change God's glory into something they can relate to and understand in their mind. God gives them over to divulge in their sin and reap the consequence. You know, honestly, when you were just reading the passage, that is the word that came to mind was relatable. They, they wanted something relatable and tangible. And God is so hard to wrap your mind around. God is completely but, other. He is not us. He is yeah. not human. He is not created. Right. And so I think that in that attempt to make him relatable they have to create something that is less than true a relatable god is less holy less just you know less scary i guess in a way true if we go back to the commandment it talks about the judgment aspect in the end of that commandment it talks about visiting the iniquity and when we consider that there is a creator and that there is a, a ultimate authority that brings a decision for us. It brings a, a consequence for our choices, whether or not we accept that or not. Yeah. And this pattern just kept happening. We see it very clearly in the Old Testament. And it says that, you know, we, we can see from this that God is a jealous God. 
And we look at that, you know, we think of jealousy as a negative thing. You almost never use jealousy in a positive way, typically. But God wants all of us and he has the right to all of us. So his jealousy is just a whole nother level. And we can't really understand it, really, I think, in our own flesh, because our jealousies are typically selfish. They are absolutely. When we find jealousy of something, I mean, a husband has a right to be jealous over his wife. And a wife has a right to be jealous over their husband because they belong to each other and they have promised something and they have vowed to each other. And that's the, the jealousy that God has towards us, but even still much more and more pure because he fully and completely has given himself to us and without any of the sins attached to that, right? Yeah. That humanity has, right? So we would have sins attached to that. We would have pride. We would have anger. We would have hurt feelings attached to that. And God doesn't. He just says, you're mine. Like, stop going everywhere else. As in, I love you. I've given myself to you. So we see that relationship that God wants with us. So to find the idols in our hearts, since it's not so obvious, we have to really do self-evaluation on our own hearts. Because these are obviously going to be heart sins more than idols on a shelf sins. Absolutely. I think of just my own struggles that I've had. And there, I mean, it's a daily struggle, but the big ones in my life, I guess you could say, would be that of identity. And, you know, where is my identity? Where, where does that lie? So the focus, main priority in, at different points in my life, and what I worried about was in college, things like, you know, what am I going to do after college? And I need to have this degree and that degree. And I need to, in order to make something of myself, right. Or to be recognized or to be acknowledged. And then as a mom, you know, you hear it all the time. You lose yourself as a mother, uh, cause your fo sole focus is that of others, which it should be. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and I think it's just a, a realization of how selfish we really are sometimes. But that was a time in my life where I was like, my identity was in my mind shaken or changed and I struggled. And all of this really just kind of boiled down to, I was wanting significance or value and I was searching for it in titles or positions or recognition. So that was one aspect of where I struggled with an idol. And that was my own identity and my own wanting of these different ideas that I everyone think, says that we need to have, you know? Yeah. And that's a hard thing because you are hearing it from outside sources as well as your own, your own pride. <laughs> There's also like people on the outside being like, well, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? Um, I know for me, like status was, is something that I've had to kind of knocked down as a idol of feeling like if I did certain things or if I was a certain, had certain accolades, I, I can't think of another word, um, then I would be enough and I would be good. And I was resting in that and stressing out about the, those things. And my priority, again, like that word priorities comes up, but my priorities were so out of whack. Because I didn't really care so much about being a good person as long as I looked like a good person. Sure. And 
when we look at the dictionary definition of idols, probably should have done this when I talked about it before, but it says it's always a good time for a definition. It's never a bad time. <laughs> extreme admiration, love or reverence for something or someone. So when we're when we're thinking about this as a way of um, idol worship, our families, right? As mothers, obviously we love our children and we should love our children and we love our husbands and we should love our husbands. But do we love them more than God? And do we put their well-being, their safety, do we take that on ourselves instead of trusting it to God? Because that, that again, it's saying that we are, we are greater than God and able to handle that. You know what I mean? Like that idea of being the helicopter mother who has to be there to protect her children at all cost. Is that really having faith in God with your children? Is that surrendering, surrendering them? Is that really trusting God and loving God more than your children? Those are questions that I had to come, you know, face to face with in many ways in my life. Like we both have gone through medical issues with our children where we could completely panic and stress out and have so much fear and never sleep again. <laughs> and that could have become an all-consuming idol for both of us. And I, I know like that's relatable to many people because we've all gone through things that have been scary with our kids. Most of us have anyway. That could have been an all-consuming idol of, of no, I have to, to stop everything I'm doing and protect my child. And there's only so much you really can do. Like, of course, we have to do our best to care for our children, but God's taught me so much at different times that he's the one in control and he's the one who gives safety. He's the one who gives health. He's the one ultimately in control. And when I am holding so tightly onto control, I am making myself bigger than God. That's, I mean, that's so true. And when we, as on a daily basis, surrender our ideas of what it means to be a parent to, to God's ideas, you know, I think that's a big key is that we have an idea of what it means to be good moms or good dads or what have you, and what it means to parent our children, to keep them safe or to raise them a certain way in this day and age, or just to the decisions that we have to make for them on a daily basis. We have our ideas of that and what we feel is right. But how often do we take it before God and say, these are your children? I am just the steward of them. And that's such a great responsibility when you look at it that way. These are God's gifts to us. So every day we should be taking them back to God saying, what do you want me to do with them today? And in that way, they don't become the idol. They don't become the thing that we are trying so hard to protect. And really, sometimes it's just our hurt feelings. Like we're not wanting to hurt ourselves. Yeah, we're trying to protect ourselves. Right. That's something that every every day I have to confront with as far as an idol in my life. Another area would be ministry. I know you would think, well, how is ministry an idol? Well, just the same way that your family can be an idol. They're not bad things. They're good things. But again, it goes back to priorities. Yes. And and what are what are you looking for in your ministry? Are you looking for recognition? Do you find value in being needed? Self-fulfillment. Exactly. You have a ministry, a title, a way to pour yourself into somebody else. But who is it for? Is it for that other person? Is it for you? Or is it for God? That's all bound up in you know, our, our identity and our need for 
being recognized, even if we're more behind the scene and we don't want to be recognized, it still comes down to motive. He knows, he knows why we're doing what we're doing. And it can be very easy to fall into the trap of just showing up because it's what is expected of you and what you expect of yourself. There are days when sometimes it's, you know, you do have to show up whether you're feeling it or not. But if that thing, whether it's the label that you put on yourself, whether it's ministry or even family related, if it was taken away from you tomorrow, would God still be enough? Would your identity in Christ be enough? Like for example, ministry, if your title in a ministry, your title in your job, we're stay-at-home moms, <laughs> but if I had a job that I was very proud of, which I have in the past, if that was just taken away from me and I no longer had that title, that would have been a hard thing to bounce back from because so much of my identity is wrapped up in a label for sure some good questions to keep in mind to see where our idols lie because you and i are in the stage of motherhood and and such other people are not and there's different idols for every person so some just good basic questions to ask to see where our hearts truly lie would be what makes my emotions uncontrollable i think that's a big one wow that's a heavy hitter right there (laughs) what really winds you up and gets you mad and frustrated i can say for me a lot of times it's the house it is a frustrating battle and I have to surrender that. I have to let it go. Not to the point where, oh, just let it be. It's going to be a mess or a wreck or whatever. Like, obviously that's not right. But it's a gift that is now causing myself to stumble in this area of worship. Like, am I worshiping a clean house? Ouch. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Because it makes me happy. Yeah. I've thought about it before with my kids. Like when I'm stressing out about a mess and I'm like, okay, am I showing my kids that I love them or my house more? What am I communicating right now? And I never really thought about it as what am I showing God that I care about more? And that's kind of painful. It's hard. Another question would be whose love and recognition do I strive to gain for happiness? Again, ouch, right? (laughs) Whose love and recognition do I strive to gain for happiness? Another one, what do I require for my happiness and fulfillment? We hear a lot about self-care nowadays. Go get your hair done. Go get your nails done. Take a me day, you know, like all of these self-care things. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting your hair and nails done. That's not what I'm saying. I just, when you come back to reality, are you going to still be fulfilled and happy and find joy in life? Or is that based on whether or not you are totally self-absorbed and just doing you? Yeah. If you weren't able to go out and get your, your iced latte today, are you going to be a miserable cow? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I mean, honestly. I plead the fifth. I mean, sometimes it's just the smallest things that can really show us how small-minded we are, really. And like what, in the grand scheme of eternity, what is important? For sure. What am I willing to sin for to get or keep? And now with that one, we might say, well, you know, I'm not really sinning. Okay, Uh, let's talk about entertainment there for a minute. That was the one that kind of popped in my mind immediately. You're willing to sin for your entertainment. Yeah. In multiple ways. And also like what we're willing to allow into our homes. So there's a list here that I have of kind of symptoms of, I think, a bigger problem 
of self-worship. And I'm just going to read off this list real quick. Self-value or the lack thereof, eating habits, the emotional roller coasters, fear, addictions, not necessarily to drugs, but to, I mean, drugs included, entertainment, porn, our phones, social media, those are all, can all become addictions. Um, avoidance, laziness, coveting, lying, comparisons. All of these things are a symptom, I believe, of a bigger, a bigger issue. And that would be pride and self-worship. Because they're all self-focused. They are. What serves me at this time? What makes me feel good? What helps me through this time that I just can't cope with? And it's these coping mechanisms because we go back to what makes us feel good. And in the end, we know that all of these things do not really help us. All of these things do not help us overcome these the problem. They don't help us overcome the, the real root issue because they're just symptoms. And so when we can look at these symptoms and take it back to the problem and we can confess that then we can start to have victory over these different areas and we can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel because we're no longer worshiping ourselves we can worship god for who he is and then he can do that mighty work in and through us so those are some big heavy things and well i would love to take time to talk about each one of those topics because they're very relevant very needed maybe one day we will but today when we go back to our big topic which is worshiping of idols we have to remember that at the heart of it it's a relationship just like when we were talking about last time love god god loves us he is jealous of us and he knows what is best for us he's always right <laughs> where we would fall and fail he would not and i say well i just want this 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 and this you know, this is what I want. This is what I think will make me happy. I'm not even taking God into the equation. That has to hurt his heart. And something that I just am really still surprised at with this study is how much these commandments are showing us about the heart of God. I did not expect that. They truly are. He loves us. He's jealous of us. And he desires, he desires all of us. I am reading, well, let's be honest. I'm listening to a book. I don't have much time to read nowadays. It is called Respectable Sins by Jeff Bridges, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But wow, is that convicting. And in this book, he says, we think of ungodliness as like wickedness, like absolute worst. But he says ungodliness is just without God. So you can go to church on Sunday and then Monday be without God and Tuesday be without God. And you can go to church on Wednesday, but all of Wednesday you were without God until you stepped foot in the door and heard about God. And it's just pointing out the fact that we do not retain God in all of our thoughts. That is an ungodly person. As a believer, we can be ungodly because we do not put God in our thoughts, in our hearts, and in our lives. And that was another ouch moment. Yeah. Very convicting. If you thought this was going to be a sunshine and rainbows uh, podcast, you came to the wrong place. You will not get much sunshine from the Ten Commandments sometimes. <laughs> no, but it's very good. It's it's good and it's necessary. And sometimes, sometimes the truth hurts. And that's okay because that's how we grow. It is. I have come to realize, I've come to enjoy the truth being spoken, even though it hurts. Because there's no change without the truth. It's true. It's very true. So even though the truth does hurt, there's a refining process. 
And the end goal of that refining process isn't to make us better people. It isn't to make us look better, be shinier. (laughs) It's to make us more like Jesus. And while, yes, the Ten Commandments were written in the Old Testament and they're very old and all of that, the end goal has always been Jesus and our relationship with Jesus and our conformity to his image. And then that's the idea of putting off the old and putting on the new. So when we put off our tendencies, it can be challenging sometimes because we have formed habits. We've done things for a long time, so it can be hard, but that's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and he helps us walk through this because we are a new man. We are a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. So we can walk in that newness of life and not have to relive the cycles that we're caught up in. Even as believers, we get caught up in these cycles, right? And mm-hmm. we are not immune to them. And we can we can always find victory, always find victory through that relationship with Christ again. So from this study, I have learned we are prone to be ungodly <laughs> and we are prone to be idol worshipers. That is something that we need to be aware of. We can't just like dismiss it as that's something that the unsaved do. No, we need to keep this in our minds on a regular basis so that we can be aware and take it to God and let him know in what areas of our life we do struggle with this and let ourselves know so that we can be aware. And and if you don't know who your enemy is, you can't fight. Yeah. You're, you're already losing the battle. So hopefully this has helped make us more aware of what our enemies are. Yeah, I think it was a very eye-opening and a little painful, but helpful for sure. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We are honored that you chose Simply Edify to be a part of your day. If this episode was a blessing to you, would you consider subscribing to our podcast as well as writing a review or giving us a rating? This would be such a help to our ministry. We would love for other people to find us And this is one of the ways that they can. Thank you.